This is a true story. To find out what happens, what happens? when people stop being polite, start getting. <laughs> chance to have a really good friend of mine on the pod this week uh we actually met while she lived in la uh she was repping the bruins was going through law school um that's kind of incorporated into what she's doing now she's also known as the sporty esquire i wanted to welcome everybody to cecilia towns hello hello (laughs) so uh with my fake ass drum roll um (laughs) I'm really excited about having you on the pod. Uh, I don't really talk sports often, um, but I thought that we could touch on a couple of things that would probably be right within your wheelhouse, but would also be really interesting, at least to me, um, without me sounding like I'm trying to be ESPN the first take or something. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. I'm always down to talk sports and how it affects or, or it's showing up in pop culture. So could you tell everybody um, briefly what it is that you represent, what you do, uh, why they think, well, if I'm honest, I know you're dope, but tell everybody else why you are too. (laughs) Well, um, so I'm an attorney by trade, um, but what my, I guess, what I'm kind of known for more specifically than being an attorney is being an advocate for women in sports. Um, so I have a, a, a company, it's called Beyond the Game, and within Beyond the Game, um, there's a subset of that called Gladiate Hers, and essentially through blogs, through events, through um, a mentorship program, we advocate for women in sports, and, we, and that means, you know, the women who play sports, the women who coach the athletes, the women who, you know, are working in front offices, um, in various leagues, women who want to work in sports, women who are trying to transition. So any, if you touch on sports in any sort of way, um, our goal is really to help you, um, have a voice and to speak up for you, um, and to help you make connections professionally. So you can really just, live your best life we have like classes that are focused on things like discovering your purpose and you know understanding what a personal brand is and developing your own personal brand so we just really are focused on helping people women be complete women well-rounded women so why sports if you don't mind me asking Yeah, I mean, sports is really just such a huge part of who I am. I've been playing sports in one way, shape, or form since I was about four years old. Um, My dad had tennis rackets in our hands at very young ages. Um, I did soccer. I did track. Um, And so it was, it's, it's part of my fiber, my DNA. I wouldn't be who I am um, if it wasn't for sports. But I think that you know, a lot of people who didn't play sports or they didn't play sports for very long, 
they don't realize how athletes sort of get caught up in that title of an athlete and how a lot of them don't really know themselves to be anything but an athlete. And, you know, that's men, women, whether you play professionally or not. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a problem. Um, sometimes people get kind of stuck in that title and it makes them, makes it a little more difficult to live the rest of their lives. And so, you know, because sports is important to me, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, there aren't as many women out here struggling to find their identities outside of sports. That's kind of how a lot of the programming that I have, that that's the start of it, the core of it. So when I think of women in sports, right, um, mm -hmm. growing up, I think of a few people. I think of uh, Doris Burke. Um, mm -hmm. I think of a Cheryl Miller. Obviously, I'm a huge basketball fan, so they start speaking to me early. Uh, I think Cynthia Cooper with the, I forgot the Houston basketball team that was winning. The Comets. There you go, with the Houston Comets. Um, because Cheryl Swoops was supposed to be basically MJ, but Cynthia came in and dominated. Like, I'm thinking a lot of these names, and you've seen them transition, you know, from being big-time athletes to doing other things. Here's my problem, though. Um, there are not a lot of examples of the Doris Burks. I don't really see Cheryl Miller as big as I saw her a few years ago. And maybe that's, you know, honestly, because she wanted to do something a little different. But I feel like it's really hard for women to get on in these things. You have like the very atypical roles where you'll have, you know, a first take, but the moderator's a woman. She's not really adding a lot of input to the, the conversation, but she's supposed to separate the two men. Um, How do we kind of get to, a, I guess, a place where, if I'm frank, we can accept the opinion of women on sports and no one looks at them kind of weird or different? Because a lot of times... um. You'll, you'll know how it is. And it's not even a diss to you because I know you know your stuff. But people will look at you and just say, well, you're a girl. Like, why do you know something about this? Or you didn't play, you know, the same thing that I did. Like, sure, there's the WNBA, but a lot of people don't watch it because they feel like maybe it's not as exciting as the NBA. So how do we kind of break some of those, um, like, biases that people have? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you have to remember that sports is really a microcosm for real life, right? So the sexism that exists in the sports world is the same sexism that exists in the world outside of sports. And so I think that to get to a, a more diverse um, view of sports and to get more women incorporated and less you know, pushback, you have to get to the core of the issue, which is sexism and misogyny in general. I think that as society progresses and, you know, women sort of really we're forcing our way into various spaces, um, you know, in and out of sports, I think then you'll, we'll really start to see some changes in the way women are respected. But it's not just, oh, let's try to fix the sports world. It's, you have to fix society in general first. Um, and I think then, you know, as a as a byproduct, the sports arena will um, 
also lend itself to being more accepting to women. And and when I say we, I don't the onus should not be on women to fix a problem we didn't create. It absolutely needs to be men stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, I'm just not going to be disrespectful. I'm not going to teach my son to be disrespectful to women. Um, you know, they. I'm going to hold my guy friends accountable who say and do things that are disrespectful to women. So that's where I think it starts. So I was raised in a, a family full of women. Um, mm-hmm. My great-grandmother only had girls my grandmother only had girls all of my aunts only had girls my cousins they only have girls so growing up there's a certain amount of respect that i have to have for women just obviously with so many being around but the devil's advocate point and if i'm honest on the tennis court i know you could take me it's not a competition i would never even say you know what i'm gonna kill cc on the court right now that's hyperbole and something that I I don't like to basically take on challenges that I know I'll lose. But if we were to step on a basketball court, I'm like, yo, like, I don't think it'll be the same thing. You won't score. Now, if I think like that and I'm just basing it based on ability, is that also kind of a sexist mentality? Because I might believe like, you know, in my realm, I know more about my sport. Not to say that I'm discounting what you know. But I'm being very specific to that one thing. Like, is that sexism as well? Or is because there's also some of that where I feel like kind of comes into it. And I'm not discounting that people just don't like women for stuff. But it's also a little of, well, I know this because I do this. My I think you have to ask yourself, would you have the same opinion if you stepped on the basketball court with a guy? That's number one. So the sexism comes into play where you're treating men and women differently solely based on the fact that one has a penis, one has a vagina. It sounds to me like what you just said is your it's not it's not sex. You are basing your confidence level on the fact that you know basketball, you play basketball. I don't play basketball. I have never played basketball in an organized fashion. Um, and so that's not that's not sexism. I mean, you can okay. can have confidence about where you stand on something and that have nothing to do with someone's sex. I do, so my nine to five, what I do as an attorney is exactly this. It's um, employment and labor law. And so we deal a great deal with discrimination and and, um, you know what the question is what it boils down to is are you treating someone or speaking to someone or not treating someone a certain type of way solely because of their status as a member of a protected group so you know are you gonna look at me differently because I'm black or are you gonna, you know, not hire me for a position because I'm a woman? Then yes, that's those are, you know, sexist, racist behaviors. But if you're basing your decision and your behavior on other factors, um, you know, that's that's not discriminatory. So I've always wanted to ask a woman this, um, especially one that I think knows exactly kind of the industry. Um, you can beat me up for asking this. Uh, 
But I look at a situation um, with a Serena Williams, for instance. Uh, obviously, she doesn't get the kind of endorsement dollars that I believe that she should get. And a lot of times those dollars go to other players like a Maria Sharapova or let's just say somebody that doesn't look like us. Um, there are two trains of thought that I have with this. And please don't kill me, people, uh, because of what I'm about to say. I think Serena's the GOAT when it comes to tennis. I don't think that she has an equal. However, I also don't think that Serena's the most attractive woman. And because they're in a situation where they're trying to sell image, that's why she struggles to gain the same kind of attention off the court in terms of endorsement dollars that somebody who is perceived to have a better appearance or a more pleasing appearance does. Well, the issue with what you're saying is that it's not based on, so your your opinion about her not being an attractive woman is your opinion, right? Sure. The problem, underlying problem, is that the beauty standard is, um, you know, set by, or has been set by white people. So if you're starting, if your starting point is a point of, um, you know, beauty is defined by blonde hair, blue eyes, um, a thin frame, um, and that's and that and that standard is solely based on really white men, what they have defined as being attractive. Then, it really the problem with her getting as many endorsement deals is racism, <laughs> and and because because she will never be able to meet that standard. If, if the gold standard is that, then she can't attain that. And it's really simply because of the way she was born. So it, it's bigger than you personally not thinking she's attractive. It's essentially society saying she's not attractive because she is a thick black woman. And that is trouble, like that's not okay. So the thick black woman thing, I'm black. Who doesn't like, you know, nice thighs, booty, all of that? Like, from the head, I mean, from the neck down, like, and I, again, I know that that sounds terrible. I don't think you'll find a person that's black alive that'll say anything negative. And I'm not trying to just, like, sexualize her. But you are, though. That's, well, no, no, no. That's, I'm, exactly, that's exactly what is happening. Because well, there's no question that there's probably a lot of people who don't think LeBron James is attractive. And that doesn't stop and that doesn't stop him from getting his money. And and the fact that like it's even a conversation of oh well, she doesn't get paid as much because she doesn't she's not as cute is ridiculous because what you should be getting paid on and what men get paid on is their talent, not their their attractiveness. So again, it's a it's a different standard for women. So you so now a woman to make money has to also be attractive. She can't just be the greatest athlete, one of the greatest athletes walking the face of the earth. She also has to fit into a certain mold. That's absurd. I will push back on that a that little. Because I think that there's a certain part of like- because there, there, Because the standard is different. There aren't any, you don't even have conversations. If, if, if we were talking about male tennis players, like that wouldn't even be 
it wouldn't even be a thought. Well, you know, he's not that attractive, so I get why he's not getting his his endorsement coins. That's ridiculous. Think about it from our. Remember when we were back in college, right? Who were the most popular people on campus, relatively speaking, on any campus in the country? I'm not sure. Who? Maybe the athletes? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was based on them having a pleasing, let's say, face, if I keep it real. But everybody's got muscles on muscles. And a lot of times people, I won't even say people, is it bad for me to generalize and think that women like muscles? Like if that wasn't the case, a lot of us wouldn't be hitting the gym, you know, doing all of these things, you know, guys are getting calf implants and all of this other stuff to try to look cool because they want to be more pleasing to women. What does that have to do with Serena Williams and her not getting her coins? Oh, I certainly think that she's supposed to get more. My only thing was that I was making the point that while certain people don't necessarily look great as men, they have other things that, you know, if I'm just being frank, people sexualize them as well. Like a lot of times we look at it as being just something that, that people do to well, men, men do to women, but women routinely sexualize men. And not to say that they don't like the sport or enjoy it, but they like it a little bit more we're because not, they we're like not, certain things. But we're not talking about just in general, a woman looking at a basketball player and saying, oh, he looks good. We are talking about basing a woman's, uh, basically her financial capability on how she looks. Nobody limits male athletes dollars because they don't think they look good. Like that, that's the whole point. We're not talking about, absolutely, men and women sexualize each other. That's how we procreate. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about limiting someone's potential to earn based on a standard that was created by white men. Yeah, I think that part sucks. I just think it's one of those things that's worthy of real conversation. Um, and not because I disagree with you. I, I always think that it's baseline. She doesn't have blonde hair, blue eyes, and a slender frame. I don't disagree with that. I think that when I speak with some of my friends and more kitchen table talk, mind you, it's like, eh, I'm not saying they're right, but I kind of understand it. And again, I know that that's something that gets killed because if I'm just talking strictly based on her performance on the field, I don't think that she has an equal or a rival. Like, you know, like I grew up in the era of seeing Monica Seles, um, Steffi Graf. I don't necessarily remember what they look like either. I just remember them being really dominant at the sport. And so unfortunately, you know, Monica got stabbed and Steffi just decided to marry Andre Agassi. I just think that it's harder in general for women to generate dollars outside of their sport and even in the sport. Because frankly, women's tennis has been more interesting than men's tennis, what, I don't, uh, most of our lives? I don't think that, I mean, it's, it's certainly we get paid less um, but like, if you look at it, Anna Kornikova, you know, before she retired, she, um, you know, never won a tennis tournament, <laughs> but she was not hurting for money. Like Wait, she, she never won? Never. And she had all sorts of endorsement oh, deals shit. and it was completely based on her 
physical features. And and if you look at an Anna Kornikova who is essentially blonde hair, blue eyes, thick frame, um, you know, she fit the mold, and, and but her, her talent level certainly didn't. So I, I think that the more you do look at sports and the more you look at the way women are treated, um, it is a bigger deal. Um, it, it, it's not, it's just racism is absolutely in, at play. Um, misogyny is definitely at play. Um, you know, you look at like a Skylar Diggins who was getting a lot of hype and I, you know, she's doing well now, but a lot of the, the sort of hype around her was more about her looks than, you know, her accomplishments on the basketball court. Now she's, she is a legit talent. I'm not saying that she's not, but you know, you just have to be honest that there were men who were watching the sport just to see her, not because they necessarily were super interested in women's basketball. So there, I mean, there's plenty of evidence beyond Serena, um, beyond tennis, that, you know, it's just a different world for women in sports. And part of what makes it so much more difficult are the different standards that are set for what is, you know, attractive and, um, yeah. That's it. No, I can work <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, we saw a week where uh, LeBron James decided to open a school, the yeah, Primer School. Uh, obviously, he put up a lot of money for the school himself. Um, the way that his business mind works, he tied a lot of partners in to help with a lot of stuff. I thought the real cool thing about it was it gave kids a direct pipeline to go to the University of Akron for free if they graduated and, you know, and kind of met the, uh, the, just the admission standards. Um, they were doing stuff within the community, like, you know, helping parents get jobs, uh, the GED program, just kind of stuff like that I thought was really, really powerful. Is this a situation where, and not taking anything from LeBron, but I feel like a lot of players do stuff and we don't necessarily talk about it because maybe it's not popular or maybe they don't prioritize it. But I think a lot of players do things to give back. What are your thoughts? So you're you're saying, uh, are we... Uh, I, I'm not... Okay, are you saying, like, are we making a bigger deal out of this because he publicized it and not necessarily making a big deal out of the other things that athletes do? No, I, I think this is a big deal. But I also think so much work gets done that we don't discuss because for various reasons, people don't necessarily want to push things out. Some people like anonymity with stuff. Um, if people have certain organizations or programs, maybe they don't want the pub. And I'm not saying LeBron did, but I feel like a lot of times we look at athletes as being me, 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 me. It's all about me, F everybody else. And a lot of times these people do do things within the community to try to help other people, um, whether it's through like, you know, lending their name to something or giving startup money to various organizations that do stuff in the community. I know like the teams fund and make you do stuff just for, you know, kind of public image, but a lot of players that really make pretty good money 
tend to give back something as well. Like, I mean, I'm a PG County kid. Damn, I'm gonna get killed for saying that because I'm from DC. But I lived in PG County a number of years and I saw like the rec center that Kevin Durant built and um, what is it, Seat Pleasant. You know, like, so you see these things sometimes and we don't necessarily give players credit for that. The media narrative is very much like these guys are selfish all about me. But a lot of times you see people doing good work. So it was more along those lines. Right. Um, yeah, I, I certainly don't think that there's any shortage of um, athletes who are making a difference. Um, I think that, um, yeah, just like you said, there's there are various reasons for someone not to publicize what they're doing. Uh, there are various reasons for someone to publicize what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I think athletes are making a difference on a regular basis. Um, a really good friend of mine works for this organization called Loreas, and basically their entire f- platform is for is sport for good. And so it's using sport um, to change the world. And they partner with athletes on a regular basis. The organization that I sit on the board for, Play Like a Girl, you know, we have women professional athletes who are lending their time, their energy, their resources for free to make a difference. So I I think, yeah, there are definitely a lot of athletes out there beyond the large name athletes who are very active in their communities and are very um, active parts of effectuating change. Okay. Um, so what are your thoughts of LeBron school? Cause I know we, I used him as kind of like a springboard to talk about everybody else, but personally, I feel like that's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's amazing and it's, um, you know, it's one of the probably least selfish things that you have seen, um, you know, a big name athlete like that do in a long time, right? I mean, he, it, it, it because it's, it goes beyond just putting money towards a school, you know, there was time, thought, energy put into that, put in, into starting the school. So, I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I think that it's kind of, it kind of sucks that it does take, you know, professional athletes or just large donors to give kids a space, you know, where they can learn and really excel because I think that our government should be providing that. You know, I don't one hundred percent. I don't I don't think that LeBron it, the the onus shouldn't be on LeBron James and other athletes to educate our kids. But since there is a lack, um, I think it's a beautiful thing that he and others are stepping up to to fill Nah, he gets 100% of the credit for that. Um, I, like you, I really feel like there shouldn't be this um, separation and levels of education based on the zip code that you're from. If your community can't afford to pay the same kind of housing taxes, your schools suffer. How do kids get out of that situation? I mean, let, let's just be real. Like if, you know, you you live in a certain area that's bad, the schools are bad, there generally isn't really jobs there, uh, 
those places are kind of food deserts. It's a myriad of reasons of seeing why people kind of go through the things they do and why it's hard for them to kind of break out of stuff. So I look at a person like LeBron, which like, you know, like I want to say he he was real candid about, you know, the number of times he moved around as a kid, how many days he missed. Like a, it was like some year, like maybe elementary, middle school, where he was like, yo, I missed like 50 days of class. Like, that's a big deal. That yeah. is a big deal. Like, I didn't worry about that growing up. Right. Like, I cannot imagine living my life thinking that. Like, yeah. so, um, I really praise him for that. Uh, I'm a big Jalen Rose fan, so I always kind of salute him first. Um, he's the first, I guess, athlete of like a generation that I'm familiar with that started a charter school in Detroit. And I remember donating and thinking like, yo, this is such a dope idea. Um, where they have like, you know, like a crazy model, like you go to school year round, the school day's a little longer. Uh, they basically track you. I want to say like, eighth grade through college to kind of see how you're doing so it's people out here doing some of these things um even if we don't necessarily recognize them a lot of times yeah yeah, the black athlete isn't just selfish and about himself yeah i think more more times than not actually they are not selfish i mean if you consider that a lot of the african-american athletes use sports to get themselves out of you know poverty-stricken situations, you know, the vast majority of them do not forget where they came from. And, you know, they are constantly doing things to help other kids, even if it's just like hosting a basketball camp, but doing things to help help ensure that, you know, the kids where they came from have a better reality than, than they had. Facts. Uh, segue for a minute um this week we had a number of players get elected to the national football hall of fame one i didn't really watch football last season don't care uh i'm very much in the kaepernick corner um but what was a bigger point to me uh i look at a situation where terrell owens decided that he didn't want to go and kind of you know sit with the rest of the inductees and do the whole dog and show like dog and pony show now my point for mentioning this is um i feel like a lot of times there's a certain narrative about black athletes that's not necessarily conducive to them just being looked at as good people uh you have a situation where tom brady for instance yells at an offensive coordinator People say he's passionate. He wants to win. Odell Beckham Jr. does the same thing for the Giants. He's looked at as being a punk and, you know, he's being a diva. Um, Can you speak about kind of like, you know, obviously the narrative and the way that the media plays into the perception of the black athlete and the black woman athlete, if I'm being fair? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the age old tell of um, just the media um, you know, putting out propaganda of black people just being angry, black people being disagreeable. You know, the narrative of black people is very frequently told, um, you know, from a negative lens. And so we just don't get the same um, to, to show our emotions. They dehumanize us, you know, by, in my opinion, 
by just trying to make us look like we're angry all the time and that we, um, you know, have no control of our emotions and, you know, that we're these big, scary creatures, um, you know, who, who people should be afraid of. And so I think that comes out in, in sports all the time with, you know, uh, you know, when, when a black athlete sort of stands up for themselves, I mean, you know, everybody is team LeBron now, but when he made that switch to go to, um, to South Beach, to Miami, you know, people were really hating him for, and it, and to me, it amounted to, um, you know, him making the best decision for himself. Um, and they just villainized the man for being a man and saying, I'm going to take this route and do what's best for me and my family. Um, so I think there's a ton of <sighs> just instances where we are not allowed to just be people. You know, we um, are not allowed to express ourselves without having any pushback. We just, yeah, they don't, they don't want us to be great. <laughs> The crazy thing about that, um, it's a lot to unpack, right? Yeah. I do think that there's a certain part of the narrative that kind of wants to keep us in a certain place or doesn't want people to necessarily reveal us the same way. Mm -hmm. Agree with that. The bigger question is, why is that still a thing in 2018? I mean, to me, it's it's a simple answer. You know, racism still exists. The media is still controlled by, you know, white men. <laughs> you know, the, the it, it, so to me, it's, it's not a surprise because in 2018, it's very clear that racism still exists um, and that we still have a very long way to go to, sort of overcoming that and having societies that are not based on bigotry. And so to me, it exists because we haven't tackled, um, you know, we haven't, we haven't tackled that issue. That's super sad. Yeah. That's really sad. I think of, and I don't know if you heard about this. I haven't played Madden and God knows however long. Like, I think it might have been PlayStation 2, 3, whatever. It's been a minute. But uh, EA Sports, who's um, behind Madden, decided to beep out Colin Kaepernick's name out of a song. Yeah. Here was the crazy part. They said it was an oversight where they thought that they couldn't use his name for licensing purposes. In, 20, in the 2019 version. Problem is, they did the same shit last year and they beeped his name out too. Do you think, knowing how many people kind of rock with the Madden brand and, you know, plenty of old dads, plenty of young kids, they're the only football, it's the only football game in town because they have an exclusive license. Do you think that their sales are gonna be affected by that at all? Or do you think it's just gonna be kind of business as usual? Yeah, no. I mean, the, I don't. <laughs> I don't think their sales are going to be affected at all. I mean, you know, black people make up what? What would it be? Thirteen percent of the population. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think if you look at the way society has responded to Kaepernick, um, you know, white folks still going to play, I mean, still going to watch the NFL, you know, they're still going to buy, you know. Black folks are too. Yeah, and well, I was getting to that, but like, so if you are looking at, if you take out the 14% of us and you're left with, you know, I guess Latinos who are now, they're like 14% too. Anyway, the, the majority of this country is still white. And so the majority of the dollars that support the NFL are white dollars. And so if white people have been showing us that they don't care about black issues, like they're not about to boycott uh, a video game because it did something dis- disrespectful to a black man. And then the same to me holds true for black folks. You know, we, we still have a lot of black people who don't agree with the uh, boycott of the NFL, which, you know, that's all personal preference. But if black people are not going to be on one accord about one thing, about an issue, then to me, there's not really the hope that um, they're going to be on one accord, you know, with the video game either. So I'm going to continue to say, yeah, and my bad, I hate that. Yeah. Like, I can think of how many people last year when I said that I wasn't going to watch the NFL, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. A lot of my friends are like, well, you know, that doesn't really affect them. Like, why would you take this stance? You're losing something. And I feel like this is the same kind of situation where this dude has literally been struggling, you know, proverbially speaking, for the last, you know, like year and a half after he took this stand and none of us are standing with him, even though he was, you know, taking a knee for all of us. Right. Like, how crazy is that? You do something that's, you know, if I'm being honest, it was altruistic. It had nothing to do with trying to make yourself better. You thought you were trying to bring light to a social injustice. And now everybody just kind of looks at you as being a pariah. That's some of the craziest shit that I've ever seen. Just how fast people ran away from him. He literally had the same numbers that Garoppolo has, who's now the San Francisco quarterback. Garoppolo just got a $100 million contract. Yeah. I mean, but that's, you know, that's, that's the treatment that we receive in this country. I mean, there have been, you know, black actors and actresses, athletes who, when they stand up for, you know, our people or when they speak out against something you know they they get blackballed so it's not uh i don't for me it's not super surprising because we we have seen things like that happen um before um it's disturbing obviously that we're still there in 2018 um but to me it's just indicative of the the power structures that still exist you know the nfl is a microcosm of society. It's is run by white, old white men, you know, who do not care about the issues of their employees, essentially. <laughs> like, it's really what it amounts to. And so I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's not surprising. It's disheartening that we're still here. It's even more frustrating that you know, so many of us sort of 
find excuses to still support the league. I I personally do not. I don't rag on anybody, or I don't. I don't. Um, how do I say it? I'm not going to give anybody grief for not boycotting the NFL, and it's partly because I know another a number of men and women who work for these organizations, and they're black people. So I I get that you know beyond the NFL players, the NFL is employing a, a decent number of black people. Um, so I I personally understand completely why someone would not want to boycott the NFL. Um, so I guess you know my my wish my desire is not necessarily that everybody would boycott the NFL, but that. Um, black people would learn how to really um, start using the power that we do have in a collective way. And, you know, so if it's not boycotting the NFL, it's something that we, you know, get on one accord about and stay on one accord about so that we can really effectuate some actual change. Hey, so you know how it was crazy? And I was thinking about this. A lot of times we get an NFL crap because they have a policy or they want to try to implement a policy about people standing during the national anthem. You know the NBA has a policy that you must stand on the anthem and we yeah. never hear anything about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the NBA is also, it seems to align itself more with, um, you know, letting players or acknowledging that their players are human beings. I mean, if you look at what went down, was that two seasons ago, or maybe last season, with the WNBA players who took a knee? And, you know, they were initially, they were fined uh, because that's what the rule book stated. But then, you know, the WNBA went back and reversed the decision because there is an acknowledgement that, okay, even if, even though this is what the book, uh, the rules say, we are acknowledging bigger than that, that we have people, we have women, you know, on our teams and these women care more about basketball and we support them caring more about basketball. And I, you know, I took it to the WNBA because it, you know, is connected to the NBA that these NBA teams, you know, are owners of, of the WNBA teams. Uh, not all, not always, but sure. they're, you know, it's, it's a lot of times very, are connected in various. Yeah. Situations. Yeah. There's significant connection there. And so I, I do think that that's why you don't really hear about it is because um, it, it just they're ha- they handle it differently. They they acknowledge their players humanity and, you know, they are trying to be more so part of the solution, I think, than the NFL is. Here's a hot take. Some of the team names in the WNBA are better than the like the NBA counterparts. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, like LA Sparks makes way more sense than LA Lakers. Yeah, like they yeah. stole the name from Minnesota. Like, what are we talking? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have honestly, I've never sat down and thought about that. <laughs> like Chicago um, Bulls. I'm a huge Bulls fan. I am. Yeah. I've never seen a bull in Chicago. Like, I know that they have a certain thing for beef. They like steak, but eh, I can see. What is it? The, the Chicago sky? 
I can yeah. kind of see it. Like, yeah. it's kind of a better name. Just saying. Um, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> I hadn't, hadn't sat down and thought about it, but I like it. I, I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> uh, Cece, any final thoughts? I want to wrap this up to get us out of here. Um, I know we're talking over a little more than that we kind of planned for, but I liked where the conversation was going. Yeah, no, um, I just, I, I thank you for having me on the show and for giving people like me a platform to share what we're doing. You know, if, if, if there are any listeners who want to get involved with what we're doing with gladiators, follow us on Instagram. Um, it's G L A D I A T H E R S. I'm the sporty Esquire. You can keep up with what we're doing on my social media as well. Um, so yeah, that's it. Hey, uh, listeners, just quickly. I know I just called her CC. Please call her Cecilia. I know we're grownups now. That's oh, how she's no. going by. People, that's, that's not true at all. We People, people call me CC. So you're fine. Like people, I'm, I'm fine with either one. <laughs> just making sure. Cause sometimes I'm cool with my friends calling me row. Um, and people yeah. that know me yeah but then the people in the street say it i'm like you don't know me what are you talking about <laughs> i need you to use my full government i'm Darrell to you <laughs> not even saying like i need my last name but you gotta right. call me by my whole first name like, i love it <laughs> just me and my weirdo tip um, that's, that's not weird at all thank you for this i definitely you know this is a conversation that's been building that i wanted to have for a while um i certainly want to support i definitely want to see when you bring some of your events to dc Definitely yeah. come through, you know, have some people with me. Uh, I just want to see us all in a better place. Yeah. We take care of women. Women generally take care of us. Perfect. I'm living proof of that. <laughs> I told you. Family <laughs> full of women. I think yeah. I've done okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your support. I mean, and not just of what I do, but yeah, of women in general. Yeah. We'll, have to, we'll I, have to send you one of our, our new shirts. We. One of our uh, shirts says, I am a man, I support women. So we'll have to make sure we get one out to you. Oh, yeah. I rock that. I'm going to put that on the court, and then I'm going to yeah. talk trash on it. <laughs> That's what you got to do. <laughs> Thank you again. Um, I don't even know what episode this is, uh, but this is another episode of The Railroad. and we'll see you guys next week.